0: Listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One.
1: To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rex, oh, a pass
0: to Anders. A team follow. Boy, ranch fires. He converts. Rhymes again of shot. Huh? For Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma, presented by Apollo Houston, your home for all things Houston hoops. I am really one of your one of your regular hosts. My name is Andy Yanez. You can find me on Twitter at AYanez underscore 5. And be sure to hit the subscribe button on our iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And the reason I say one of our hosts, we have a guest host today, Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Ball Review. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. For sure, for sure. This is uh, your third time on Potsdamage. I think so. I think yeah. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the second time. It's just going to be you and me, so we're... Well, this this will either go really good or really bad. So hopefully, it goes really good. <laughs> but um, we'll make it work, man. Don't sweat it. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll well. Let's jump right into it. Um, obviously, the talk of the, well, I guess the college town of the fans of the of the University of Houston right now is with the men's basketball team that is about to start their NCAA tournament run on Friday. They're gonna play Cleveland State at six fifteen, or mm-hmm. is it six six fifteen on True TV. Um, 6:15 Houston time, but before we get into any of the in-depth stuff in the NCAA tournament, I wanted to talk about last week with the American Athletic Conference tournament. Obviously, the University of Houston Cougars won their first American Athletic tournament championship on Sunday by really trouncing Cincinnati in that game on on Sunday afternoon. Chris, really, what are your overall thoughts from what you saw from the Cougars in the entire tournament? I'm glad they didn't take any team for granted.
1: I think many of us kind of expected the Houston-Memphis matchup in the semifinals. That happened. Nobody expected a Houston Cincinnati matchup in the finals. Right. And the Bearcats were riding a moment, you know, momentum to get there, but they just don't have the did not have the offensive firepower to match up with Houston's defense. So it was just a matter of time and a matter of whether the, how serious the Cougars took them as an opponent, and clearly they did. And then Quinn Grimes got hot, Marcus Sasser got hot, Jason DeRoe played well. So then you have
0: that ninety-one fifty-four 54 thumping that the U of H put on Cincinnati to win the championship. Did anything stick out to you from that run? I think I found it interesting how they, they kind of showed that they can win in multiple, multiple ways. Uh, that Memphis game, it, it looked like they could have, you know, maybe ran away with it at halftime, but Memphis came back and they, they won out a close game. And that's the second time they had to do that against Memphis. Is that something that you feel they needed to prove going into the NCAA tournament? A close game is good.
1: Winning, winning a close game is good. Um, I still didn't like, how U of H handled Memphis's full-court pressure defenses, things like that. I think I joke with you that um, Jamar Mark used to pass the ball over the top of it instead of trying to dribble through it. So that was an issue. But Memphis is one of the top teams in the conference. They match up well with U of H. Memphis missed a lot of free throws. U of H, Quinn Grimes got hot and did enough for them to win the ball game. So I, I think that's what it comes down to. And it was good to see Marcus Sasser in the game Sunday against Cincinnati to do something besides shoot threes. He attacked the basket, got into the paint with some floaters. Marcus has more to his game than just shoot dribbling and jacking up threes from the outside. So i was glad to see him go back to that. And it his overall game is much more effective that way
0: for the team. It's good thing you bring up the the full-court pressure that Memphis did. They used against Houston. I know Cincinnati kind of used it a little bit in that game, but that game was a completely different style of, of the way it turned out. Do you feel like other teams in the NCAA tournament are going to start doing that on Houston since they, they they turned the ball over a lot against Memphis and they, they kind of struggled to figure that out? They should. If I'm an opponent, I would do it
1: because I think it's a better it's one of the top ways to disrupt Houston's offense the half-court offense seems to be seems they found a rhythm. Um, the three guard motion offense, which sometimes I really can't stand if you're just going around the perimeter instead of attacking the basket. It's a good way to disrupt the offense. And as long as they try to dribble through it rather than pass over top of it, it's gonna work.
0: I think another interesting thing that stood out to me was in that two-lane game where it's another good thing they played a, a wide variety of defenses against each different team. You know, Tulane's known for for their zone type of defense, and one of the things that Houston did against Tulane, they kind of went to Cameron Tyson, and another lineup that they used a lot was uh, the four guard lineup where you know sometimes it'd be Trim on Mark, but along with Dejon Marcus, and Quentin, with usually the big with Justin, but it'd be any one of the bigs. Uh, what do you think about that four guard lineup and and how? you know, how possible Cameron Tyson's role is going to be with this team, what, what, depending on what other teams do. If other teams play zone against U of H,
1: I think Cam Tyson will, will play more. He's a zone buster. I, I think the four-guard lineup, uh, Coach Sampson, Coach Kelvin Sampson, has gotten more comfortable with it. And I'm tooting my own horn, pat myself on the back. I said last summer, before the season started, I, I thought that, uh, they would go four guards down the stretch of games because I thought it would, would be their best lineup for them. But at that time, I thought uh, Caleb Mills would be a part of that foursome and have either Marcus Sasser, Tremont Mark, you know, with Dejon and Quentin. Caleb's no longer here. They have Mr. Beat. So now you have it finishing with Tremont, Marcus Sasser, Dajon, and Quentin Grimes. And then Brady Chaney or Dustin Gorm, I think, is the best, you know, combos for the team.
0: Maybe okay. white, I think that could work. Right. Uh, one thing, real quickly, I kind of wanted to diverge. You mentioned Caleb Mills. What, what do you think about the ESPN broadcast mentioning Caleb? And I think it might have been all three games that they played in the conference tournament. They they brought up Caleb Mills, and I think at one point they had the graphic where they put him with JJ Watt and James Harden and and one of the players that that has left the city. Completely incorrect
1: analogy. It's not. It's not a, a similar situation whatsoever. <laughs> Caleb wasn't was not here nearly as long as those guys. And his impact leaving was not as big as Harden leaving the Rockets and JJ will, you know, leaving the Texans will have impact on them. Not, not even the same thing.
0: You know, one of the things that I've, people could make the argument for is that Caleb Mills leaving actually benefited Houston just in terms of not having to, you know, figure kind of having to worry about making sure he got his shots. Um, do you feel like that was the case once he left? For sure. I think Caleb Caleb's leaving opened up
1: the offense, opened up more minutes for Cam Tyson, opened up minutes for Jamal Shedd these last few games as well, freed up shots for Marcus Sasser, Quentin Grimes got getting more shots, Jermon Mark getting more shots, Dejon. It uh it simplified the rotation
0: and the shots for the guards. One final thing that we'll hit here from the conference tournament, but Fabian White. Um, I believe he's only six games in, six or seven around that, that mark. What have you seen from him? I, th- I think he's had a few games where he hit double digits scoring wise, but he obviously he's coming off the ACL injury. It's pretty limited what he could um, end up doing for the Cougars.
1: I think he he's going to struggle. He has struggled against athletic front courts, athletic bigs, because he's not, as you said, six or seven games in. He's not in this rhythm yet. So, if teams don't have athletic front courts to match up well until he gets into uh, close to 100 percent and find his rhythm. But his impact on the court is still going to be, I think, beneficial for the team in the tournament.
0: Well, coming right up, we're going to talk more about the first round matchup with Cleveland State coming up on Pod Slam Jamma, your home for Houston Hoops. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check
1: out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo H-O-U.
0: All Houston, all original. And we're back here on pajama, your home for the University of Houston hoops. Chris, about the Vikings from Cleveland State, uh, we, we were both on the Zoom call that Kelvin Sapson uh, gave to reporters earlier on Wednesday morning. What are your thoughts on Cleveland State? Uh, Quentin, uh, not Quentin. Kelvin kind of talked about how they're kind of a guard-oriented team and that's going to be their strength coming into Friday. Glancing at their numbers, their stats, I think they average around 70
1: points a game, maybe 67 or 68 within conference, shooting 30, low 30s from three-point range. Um, rebounding is not even for them and their opponent, I would say. Uh, I mean, numbers-wise, playing in the Horizon League, I think, they because of COVID, they played a lot of their fellow conference opponents multiple times, three or four times this season. So I'm not sure really what to take from that because I don't know how many good to great teams are in the Horizon. I know why they did because of COVID. But we'll see if it's a benefit for them to compete against those guys because Houston is a whole nother level of talent. And if the Cougars play their their A-B game, they're going to win by double digits.
0: Is there one particular player that kind of stood out when you, you've you done your uh, research ahead of Friday's matchup? What's his name? Last name, Gramellion? Trey, Trey
1: Gramellion. Uh, Coach Sampson touched on him uh, talking to us via the zoom call he's a glue guy mm-hmm. he must be pretty good at the coach i think kelvin said he likes how he plays he could you know he's a hard-nosed guy and he he plays like kelvin wants his guys to play so that's pretty right. high praise for a coach to say that of him so i'm going to say with him
0: yeah he called them the straw that stirs the the team's drink yeah so uh, there was one other player, I believe it was Des Moines Hodge. He said he hit 10 three-pointers in a, in a game just yeah. like Cameron Tyson. So, I haven't watched Cleveland State play, but what I'd imagine is they're more of a, a spread-out team. They're they're going to look to hit perimeter shots, if I'm not correct, if it's all a guard-oriented team. What, would, what could be interesting is Houston might have the edge in terms of the offensive boards when it comes to the, the bigs. Justin Gore might have a big game. and And like you mentioned, Fabian White, this – might not be a game where where he struggles. This might be like the perfect type of game to get him into that NCAA tournament, uh, I guess, rhythm? We'll, we'll see because he does need to get into a rhythm for the mm-hmm. team to go far in the tournament. Kelvin said
1: that Cleveland State plays with the five on the floor all the time. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that means it's a four guard out, five down low. I don't know if their big man is a, a face-up guy, a low post guy. That I'm not sure of. But Houston bigs, Justin Gorham, Fabian, Bryson, Reggie Chaney. They just outwork you. So I don't see this being any different. I don't expect this to be any different in a matchup. They're just going to outwork Cleveland State. And I think they'll just wear them now.
0: A lot has been made coming into this game about the head coach for Cleveland State and the connection he has with Kelvin Sampson. Can you tell us more about that? And what, what do you think about it?
1: Dennis Gates coach at Cleveland State. I'm kind of curious real quick there's been some rumors of him leaving to take another job. So I, I wonder if that'll have an impact on his players, um, no negative impact on the players. Right. Uh, Dennis Gates said that Kelvin Sampson is one of the most impactful coaches in his career so far. And coach Sampson uh, kind of reflected that and saying that Leonard Hamilton would probably is probably the one who had the most impact on Dennis Gates' coaching career. Dennis Gates has a book that Kelvin gave him years ago and Kelvin said, "It's probably his good luck charm. Why he keeps it around with him? Takes it with him wherever he goes. You know, Kelvin's kind of has that self-deprecating humor. Sometimes doesn't want to t- uh, pat himself on the back too much, but Dennis Gates his Coach Sampson is very influential in his success so far.
0: When it comes to this University of Houston team, uh, the the kind of key foundations that this team kind of revolves their identity and kind of you know shows off that this is their identity. It comes to defense and rebound." Uh, How do you think that Houston will attack Cleveland State defensively?
1: Uh, Won't be any different. I think they're going to try to just attack, Dajon attack um, the interior, penetrate the defense, kick it out to the open spots um, on the perimeter, take those open threes. And then hopefully from my point of view, Marcus Sasser will do more than take standstill threes and also attack the basket. And as long as Quentin Grimes is, confidence is flying high and he's shooting threes from the logo and
0: making them <laughs> Houston, Houston should roll. What do you think about that? When obviously with the university of Houston, you don't see that as often, but I know you've kind of emphasized how you, it's kind of ruined the NBA game for you. What do you think about just how more confident and really all types of players are when it comes to shooting threes? In
1: Quinn's case, I think he's earned that at Kelvin says he's earned that right to take that shot. And he hasn't taken that logo three too much right. you know, this season. But the last month or so, he has just shot the ball, lights out. His confidence has gotten even higher. He's healthy. He took, had a little stumble when he hurt his ankle foot and struggled for a game or two. And uh, he wasn't able to land on, the, on two feet on a jumper comfortably. And now that he's healthy, close to
0: 100%, we're seeing the results. You, you you said in the past uh, in different shows that you said that you feel that Quentin Grimes could be taken in the NBA draft. I, I believe you have him going in the second round. Do you feel like anything he does in this NCAA tournament could kind of boost his stock? Oh yeah. And I, that's what I've seen that he could
1: uh, in early mock drafts, he was a second round selection, but that was before this last three or four weeks when he shot the ball so well and with so much confidence so he, he could rise up the draft board, maybe be a late first rounder, early second rounder. He's got good size. We heard on the broadcast Sunday against the Bearcats, Dan Dockets compared him to Clay Thompson with three-point shooting. That kind of surprised me because I've never really thought of Quentin as a dead-eye three-point shooter like Clay Thompson is. But his three-point shot has improved a lot, especially of late. What
0: would your comparison be if you had to pick to, uh, a player?
1: I, I really haven't thought about it. Um... NBA-wise, I, I need to probably spend more time and get close to the draft to think mm-hmm. about that. But, you know, he's six five. I think his handles could be better. You need to tighten him up a little bit. But what's made him a better player is his rebounding. He's willing to crash the glass and get those boards and push it up the, the floor and run the floor as well.
0: Coming up, we'll discuss more about the NCAA tournament as a whole. We'll look at the Midwest region for the University of Houston and how potentially Chris thinks they'll go in their run. Coming up on Pod Slam Jam. Looking for a better way to rep H Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHou.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code Launch for ten percent off at checkout. ApolloHou, all Houston, all original. And we're back for the final segment of Pod Slam Jamma. Once again, we're joined by Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review, a credentialed media member covering basketball since 1994. Chris, before we get into NCAA specifics, you've watched a lot of tournaments since you started covering. Um, obviously, this year is going to be a lot different just in terms of everything being around Indianapolis in that, the controlled environment setting—that that's the phrase that they're using. Um, do you expect it uh, really? How different do you expect it to be once the games start really on Thursday? That's a good question. Um,
1: this is an unknown. I I hope it's not too different. You know, from the sense of there won't be too many fans at the games, and the guys are used to that. You know, for the whole season, so. And that part of it won't be strange. I'm kind of curious to see how this first weekend should not be too much of an issue with the isolation of it all. Mm-hmm. The next weekend, I think, may be a little bit different because the winning teams will have been in Indianapolis for going on two weeks. And, you know, we're going next door to the field, baseball field, maybe. It's your only time to get out, get out outside without having an impact on any of the players. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it's going to go. Uh, some upsets will it be an upset this year because of the unknowns? You know, right. some guys won't be able to handle um, the lack of fans, the lack of communication. You know, face to face direct
0: communication. Some folks handle that differently, so that might be an issue for some players. Yeah, and this is something that, that I've thought about. In the past, it's kind of going to be a gauntlet for for whatever team it, the two teams that end up being in the national championship or in the final four. All those teams, I mean, the the two teams that play in the national championship is going to be almost three weeks that they're going to be in Indianapolis. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like you you mentioned, you know, after a while, it's I'm sure it's gonna once it gets repetitive, it might be a you know whichever team is not only strong on the core and however they can execute, but just mentally how draining that and that's going to be after, you know, honestly, after a few days, you start getting tired of just doing the same thing over and over again. So that, I mean, that is a, a question.
1: How will players handle the isolation? Yes, they've had to do it for almost a year now being on their campuses, but this is the NCAA tournament. The pressure is a little different. The expectations are a little different. All the tests. Will you get tired of yeah. being in your room because they're the roommates. You know, each player has his own room. So you're staying in your room, you know, do FaceTime or whatever, but you're in your room the majority of the time when you're not with the team practicing or, you know, hitting that bus, going to practice, wherever it may be, ordering your food. So we'll see how things are in the second round. This first round, first two rounds, I mean second weekend, will be a little different and we'll see how teams respond
0: you guys to cover the rockets when they were in the Orlando bubble did did any of the players any ever talk about some of that mental struggle oh yeah definitely and that you know you, you touched on it earlier
1: in this podcast the nca is not referring to it as a bubble it mm-hmm. is a controlled environment so, so terminology may be different but it's the same impact and paul george i think was one of the most outspoken ones it got to him the bubble got yeah. to him so it's we will, don't know, and it's not going to be a knock on that player, that coach, if they have issues, if they can't, if they need a break, they need a, a mental vacation for a day or whatever. That's the, you know, something mm-hmm. that's part of people, part of who we are be, as people. So I'm really kind of curious to see how different folks handle
0: it. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I believe if I'm not. I think Kelvin Sampson might have said earlier, it might've been around that time when they went on lockdown, he said that they had to kind of help some of the players. He didn't, obviously he never mentioned any specifics, but he said that some of the players had mental issues yes. or were kind of struggling mentally in terms of you know, December when they went on that shutdown.
1: And he didn't say names then, but based on what we saw of on-court performance, Jamon Mark looked yeah. like one of those players who was yeah. really impacted by it because he really struggled those first few weeks after the um, shutdown.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned, this is something they've done uh, probably since like October and probably before that with, with all the workouts and the conditioning stuff they've had to do. Um, but like I mentioned, I think like the word gauntlet is kind of the perfect thing because you're, obviously you're, you're battling on the court, but there's all these things and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes out once the players leave and more so, the teams that they win this tournament, they they obviously they advance in the tournament, but they have more more stuff that they get thrown at them that they have to overcome. But you know, digressing towards the specifics of the tournament, obviously, Houston's going to play Cleveland State, and the winner of that game will end up playing either Clemson or Rutgers in the second round. If Houston were to advance, first well, first of all, well, what do you think, Chris? Should should I? Let you do your prediction right now. How far you think U of H will go or should, should we wait towards the end of the segment?
1: Uh, I, can, I can do it now and, and you can pick it apart
0: and they pick it. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds perfect. But how far do you think U of H will go? Right now, sweet 16. Interesting.
1: Because uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean it all depends on matchups, things like that. Mm-hmm. If they play West Virginia in that sweet 16 round, Um, Derek Culver, Miles McBride kind of match up well. West Virginia kind of matches up well with with the U of H. But if Quinn Grimes plays like an All-American, Quinn Grimes will hit those key shots and they'll advance. That's one thing. Most tournaments, most uh, teams that go far in the tournament, they have that one go-to player that carries them, that wills them to victories. Mm -hmm. And if Quinn Grimes can be that guy, Houston will go far. Farther than Sweet 16, for sure.
0: That's interesting that you men- mentioned West Virginia, but you know, mm-hmm. looking at the Midwest region as a whole, you know, in the in the other side, so the only way they'd play these teams would be in the Elite Eight. But what do you think about the number one seed in Illinois? Uh,
1: they are one of the top teams. The number one seed is well-deserving. Um, you know, DeSumo is one of the top players in the country. Big man Kofi Cockburn is... Is a a legit big man. Um, I would really, even though I picked Houston to go out really in the Elite Eight because they would lose that game, if they played Illinois for the right to get to the Final Four, Kofi against uh, Kofi is a legit, legit skilled big man. I would really love to see Houston and their monster um, defensive traps in the low post, how coach would handle them.
0: That would be a fun thing to watch. That's interesting that you mentioned, you know, with Illinois and their big man. Would, would would you take anything away from when Houston played Western Kentucky and they had to guard Charles Bassey?
1: Well, Kofi's more of a low post presence than Charles. Mm-hmm. Charles has, I think, a better face-up game. And But Western Kentucky did not do, a, in my opinion, a good enough job getting Charles enough touches. Yeah. Especially, they, they wasted too much time with him in the low post. And that's really playing into Houston's hands with their monster defense with the double team of the big in the post. Charles Bassey has a good enough perimeter game that I thought they should have put him out high, free throw line, extended three-point line and let him take more
0: shots that way. Do you feel that we talked about when they played Memphis in the last game of the regular season where their defense kind of, Houston's defense kind of got exposed a little bit in terms of they really struggled kind of containing the Tigers towards until towards the end where they were able to, kind of, I wouldn't say figure it out, but they were able to kind of start uh, limiting Memphis on with scoring and Memphis kind of started turning the ball over. Um, but do you, what, what kind of problems do you see when it, comes, when, when it comes to Houston and their defense? Lack of communication, miscommunication,
1: I think that's, that's a better way to put it. Because in the Memphis game here in Houston, the rotation seemed off. You know, Memphis would, would do a little high a ball screen at the top three-point line, free throw line, and little little ball fake. UVA's to over rotate on the front, no help on the back. Tigers can have easy buckets all day long, and that's communication. That it's like the guy's not on the same page. You can see Justin Gorm um, yelling at teammates. Yeah. You, where were you? Where you, you should have been there. You were late. Why weren't you there? Kind of thing. So the communication part of it and was an issue. And Coach Sampson said after that game, home game against Memphis, how it was like Memphis kept running the same thing over and over again because it worked. And he was kind of disappointed that his, his guys never made the adjustment because it was simple. What the Tigers were doing, ball fake, pick, little high pick, ball fake, roll, pass it to the cutter, you know, in, in the near the bucket. It worked time and time again. So those kind of things, I think, they iron that out,
0: you um, know, help them out go, go, going into the tournament. Did you see an improvement in when the second time they played Memphis in terms of what, what they were kind of struggling with in that first game? I did a little bit more, but I was also surprised that Memphis didn't run it as much. So communication
1: every so often was an issue. And really in any game, basketball game, when you see breakdowns on defense, regardless of who it is, it's usually because of a miscommunication by you know the defense. I thought you were going to be there. Where were you? You're supposed to rotate there. So usually when you see the offense... Stroll through the, to the easy bucket because of a defensive breakdown.
0: Another team I wanted to ask you about, Oklahoma State. Do you see them potentially making that run towards the Sweet 16 in Elite Eight? Similar
1: to uh, Quinn Grimes, Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham is one of the top players in the country. If he gets hot, he, he can carry Oklahoma State to the Final Four for sure.
0: And he has help. Do you, do you think he's a, fir- a first overall pick talent? Yes, I do. Because he's six seven six eight, He's a point guard. What kind of problems do you think he'll cause Houston if they were to match up?
1: I'd love to see him match up with Dejon because Dejon's not as tall as Cade as, uh, Cunningham, but Dejon accepts that challenge defensively, and he's got long arms. He's thinner than Cade, but that would be a fun matchup because Dejon's six 6'5", long arms, Cade 6'7", six, six, younger. Maybe Dejon could have some of those veteran tricks of the trade to bother Cade. That'd be fun to watch.
0: So, you gave us your prediction for Houston's run. Uh, let's look at the NCAA tournament as a whole. Who do you have in your final four?
1: I haven't done it yet, Andy, but uh, it hasn't happened too often, but I may just go chalk and more we'll seeds throughout. Just make it simple. <laughs> I don't see anybody beating Gonzaga, though. I think the Zags are clearly the best team in the country.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, though, because uh, in the championship game for the West Coast Conference, they, they were down double digits to BYU at halftime, and they came back and they still ended up winning by ten. Uh, what about Gonzaga makes them so dominating? Their depth. They can all of them can shoot. They
1: all have they have enough guys who can take over a game. Jalen Suggs will be another top pick in this uh, upcoming NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Kispert, Timmy. It, it is, and the thing is. They beat you different ways. You know, it's it's a, a defensive team, an opponent tries to take something away, take the best, the number one option away from a team. The, the Zags are good enough. Okay, we'll go to option two. We'll go to option three. And their op- the third option is probably
0: better than half the team in the tournament, at least. So you have Gonzaga winning the tournament regardless? Yes,
1: but my concern is because if they do it, that means they would have completed a perfect season. Mm-hmm. And a perfect season that hasn't happened in, in since '76, I think, in the Indiana oh dated. So the odds are against them. I was asked by another colleague of ours if I had a chance to, and I'm going against my word right now, I'm going what I told him to take the field or the zags. Talking to him, I took the field. Talking to you, I'm taking the zags. So I'm going to Zags. I'll take the zags. Why not?
0: Uh, before we wrap up, I kind of want to ask you one more thing on Houston. Uh, you talked about how Quentin Grimes, if he catches fire, it will really benefit Houston. It'll make him, you know, one of the hardest teams to beat. But who do you think the X factor, whether it's Quentin Grimes or another player, is for Houston to make a deep run? Mark, Marcus Sasser. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think Quentin Grimes would be Quinn, I mean,
1: there's not really a, a, a dead-eye shooter on Houston team, you know, especially if in the seven eight core of the squad you know cam tyson is ninth maybe ninth or tenth in the rotation he's a dead-eye three-point shooter but i think marcus sasser like i said getting high from three is nice but if he adds to a game penetrates gets some easier buckets for him that'll help his confidence and help out the team
0: it's interesting you pick marcus um after Houston and Memphis played in the in the conference tournament Penny Hardaway kind of described their three guards as a three-headed monster and you, you mentioned it obviously Dere is not going to have a triple double uh, throughout the entire tournament but it, it's interesting where the team's identity is with the rebounding and with the defense but really where they become you know one of those elite teams is if those guard those three guards have it going offensively and you saw it against memphis in the conference tournament when they had i believe it was like six or seven minutes where they didn't score at all Mm -hmm. uh in the second half and that's the reason they couldn't beat memphis by you know basically blowing them out like they did against cincinnati uh does do those offensive droughts concern you and what do you see when they go on those droughts that why does it last so long why is it such an issue They do concern me. And I think sometimes it's,
1: they settle for threes too much. Mm -hmm. They don't pass the ball enough. Uh, Personally, they don't go to the low post enough. And most likely that's Justin Gorham. Hopefully that will be at some point, Fabian white, but you you know me, you touched on it, you know, earlier that I'm not a fan of the, the jacked up threes. I'm over a fan of the closer you get to the basket the higher percentage shot you have. So that also includes low post. So Justin Gorm set the tone in the conference tournament, low post against Cincinnati, low post buckets. I, I would like them, when things go, when they start to struggle, throw the ball down low. Because if a team leaves Fabian White one-on-one in the post, I think I'm going to take my chance with Fabian. Same with Justin Gorm. If they decide to double team, Justin or Fabian kick it out, you get an open shot from the perimeter. That's better than some of the dribble between his legs, uh, step back threes that Marcus takes too many times. So I think that's a, a problem um, and a reason for the droughts. They don't mix their, up their offense enough. And of course, uh, when things go, don't go bad, attack the basket. Get to the foul line. Check up your rhythm that way. Get to the foul line. Make your free throw. See the ball go, go through that hoop. And then try to do something different on offense the next time
0: down. Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. One more question before we wrap up. Uh, looking at the NCAA tournament as a whole, what is the most, the one thing that you're looking forward to the most in, throughout the entire tournament, Houston or otherwise?
1: Um, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, Loyola Chicago, the Ramblers, because, you know, I haven't seen them play much at all this season. But a lot of folks say this your team, is better than the team that got to the final four, you know? So whoop. the Ramblers, I think is,
0: is um, the team to watch. That's interesting. It's, uh, on ESPN or on Center. I saw that they're going to have their chaplain at, and in the first round uh, tournament game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's a sign of things getting better with this whole coronavirus thing. Um, but that's interesting that you, you mentioned Loyola, um, Chicago. Was it okay? Because there's, uh, I know there's a lot of Loyolas out there, so it's a little confusing. But why? How come? What made you choose them? Just based on what folks have
1: said about this year's Ramblers team is better than team that got far what two three years ago. So that says a lot. That team (laughs) was a Final Four team, and this year's team
0: is better than that. Okay. That's interesting. You you'd kind of they'd kind of throw a wrench in your final four predictions, though, if they do get to the lead. Well, eight. like I said, you you picked. You asked me to pick a team to watch. No, that's true. No, so, yeah. I, no, for sure. And that's like I said, it, it kind of came out of the field. So I'm glad you you chose it. But um, is there one final thing? Anything we might have missed in terms of Houston specifically?
1: Well, as we're recording, I guess we haven't heard any different news. So it does look like. Uh, Coach Ron Huey's Houston Cougars women's team will be in the WNIT and not replacing a team in the women's tournament. So that, that one, that home loss uh, on senior night to Cincinnati, I think was the reason they did not make the tournament.
0: What do you, well, we'll, we'll digress and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the women's team, but what do you think of the season they had? Obviously it's one of the best seasons they had in really a decade. And, a lot has been said about Ron Huey and just when it comes to if is he the right guy to lead this program from what you saw this season. Do you see enough there where you, you think he could be the team into the NCAA tournament and start building a, a strong program?
1: I hope so. I, I was surprised at their t- success this season. Um, I think in my first podcast with you guys, I picked and predicted him to finish like fifth or sixth in the conference. They finished third. You know, they, they had success. They went undefeated in February. They had success because they had depth. That helped. You know, last year's team, they had seven or eight players. Um, this year's team, 13-14. They lost to black shell fair to an injury. They didn't miss a beat for a while with her, without her being out. Other players, they, you know, like everybody, they deal with COVID. Um, missing Diamond Gladney hurt them, especially yeah. in the last game against Cincinnati. Her absence was huge. She, you know, she did not play. In the tournament, combat tournament, so I was surprised that they got did as well as they did, and I think with the talent they have coming in for next season, I you know I asked Coach Huey earlier this week, is he prepared for the high expectations that will come with next year's season? He said yes, so we'll, we shall see. Next year's team should be an NCAA tournament team.
0: Do you still feel they'd be behind UCF and South Florida? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. USF is the established program now. With UConn gone, USF is the top program in the conference. UCF, the last three or four years, is the second best team in the conference. And now it's just a question of who can be that third team, Houston, Tulane, Cincinnati, somebody else.
0: Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Chris, thank you again for jumping on the Zoom link and uh, doing the podcast. Uh, You are the host, or I guess our guest host that is now the third time, so I greatly appreciate it to taking time out of your day to to join us. And before we leave, Chris, where can people find you?
1: My website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Same thing on on Instagram and YouTube, Houston Roundball Review. Twitter, I am
0: T-H-E-H-R Review. So that's The, some folks say the HR review on Twitter. Thank you again, Chris. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slamma Jamma, covering your University of Houston Cougars.